one for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM, busy hour. Dave Sproul on Iowa State momentarily. Dave's K-A-S-I in Ames, that's where the Cyclones play, uh, in Story County. Uh, then we'll hear from Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. Is there a vote this weekend? Is October still on the table? We'll talk to Tom about those two issues. Uh, Trent and I have picks. We're going to let you do your picks Give you an opportunity to win some barbecue from our friends at Claxon's 3131 8th Street uh, Southwest in Altoona. Uh, let's go to Ames, shall we? He's Dave Sproul, K-A-S-I. He joins us as we are now officially 23 hours and 55 minutes away from the <laughs> ball being in the air at Jack Trice Stadium. Hello, Dave Sproul. How are you? I'm well, but, you know, who's counting? We haven't been uh, on pins and needles waiting for this season to start at all, have we? Yeah, no, no, not at all. Uh, but, but, but here we are. Hey, Dave, when the depth chart came out on Wednesday, what was the – I mean, where did your eyes go first of all? What was the biggest surprise to you when you – and I get it's the depth chart and they don't have to – you know, we're not going to hold them to it. Uh, but what was the surprise to you, if any? Uh, biggest surprise would probably be Xavier Hutchinson listed as a starting wide receiver. We knew he'd be in the mix. Obviously, you don't bring in a Juco guy not to play him. Uh, but for him to be able to, to transfer from junior college, go through without a spring practice and not much going on in the summer, really, to, to be able to develop his uh, physical skills with the rest of the team, uh, he was still able to impress enough during uh, whatever you want to call this version of fall camp. Uh, to go all the way up to the, the top of the depth chart in one of the, the receiver slots. It's pretty impressive. It probably tells you something about how athletic he is and mm-hmm. the kind of work he's, he's put in to uh, earn the start. Well, when Oklahoma comes after a kid and he decides, yeah. you know, he must have something. Trent, I know I'd like to, I should ask you the same question I meant to yesterday. Mm-hmm. I thought Bankston was going to start. Yeah. Now, I was a little bit surprised also where he was listed because I thought he'd be at that nose guard I position. He's the backup at nose tackle back behind Wazarike. So the way that played out, though, there was a lot of buzz about Bankston, but also looking at it, Isaiah Lee, he's been around. He's been mm-hmm. talked about for a couple of years. And Joshua Bailey, he's played reps with this. For the first time in a long time, Iowa State, they have depth on that defensive line. Maybe that's the brightest moment that you get here, that you don't have to have Bankston come in right away from Juco and be a starter from the get-go. Yeah, it's a nice luxury to have some familiar names there. Uh, Lee and Bailey, they're not exactly you know bringing a ton of starting experience, but they bring some experience mm-hmm. uh, to the nose guard position. I was a little surprised not to see Bankston starting at one of those uh, spots in the middle of the defensive right. line. and. And by the way, it should be pointed out, it's a 4-3 look based on the uh, yep. the defensive depth chart. But there's also, I mean, there's a bunch of positions there that are a little bit unusual. So there's a lot of versatility there. And I think that's another thing you're going to see up uh, on the defensive line. It's a guy like Bankston probably can play both tackle and nose and do whatever the, the Cyclones are looking for uh, out of him defensively. Uh, Ashim Young's a guy I know nothing about. Yeah, same. Um, he's going to get his first opportunity. What was the, and I know that sadly, Dave, you guys didn't get an opportunity to, you know, to, to I guess, capture that buzz when the coaches are talking about these guys. What do you know about Ashim Young who's going to start at the star position? 
yeah, he's in, a, he's in that, that star position, for those who might not be familiar, is kind of a hybrid linebacker, defensive back, almost kind of like a nickelback type position. And it's a pretty important position uh, in the Iowa State defense because you got to be able to pick up tight ends, running backs, as well as receivers uh, in, in the secondary. And Aisheen Young has been mentioned a couple times. Uh, I, I can't remember who, unfortunately, I think. One of the outlets that cover Iowa State has, has written him up a little bit okay. and asked uh, some questions of Coach Campbell as well as uh, Greg Eisworth when they were uh, available to the media uh, some time ago. And both were very impressed. Eisworth has kind of taken Young under his wing and is trying to pass along his wisdom as a senior down to the, the redshirt freshman. And obviously he's been pretty impressive uh, in his own right uh, there to get the start at that uh, position, which is a, kind of a linchpin for either the Iowa State defense. All right, Dave, let's not go scorched earth here anything and bring up anything terrible. But Brock Purdy's got his helmet popped off. Mm. So he's got to come out for a play. Who takes the snap? Is it Hunter Deckers or is it Aiden Bowman? Or direct snap to Brees Hall. <laughs> That's a good call, too. Well, I like the direct snap option. That actually uh, might be the best bet for Iowa State, but uh, I couldn't tell you for sure. I mean, uh, it's kind of a coin flip. It, it appears Deckers, the Iowa kid, maybe that gives him an edge. I don't know. But I, I would imagine that if Iowa State, and it's a big if, could, could get themselves a nice cushion against Louisiana tomorrow, uh, one or both those guys might see a few snaps just to get their feet wet, almost literally. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so who would be the guy to take over the offense? That's a really good question because uh, they're both on equal footing in a way because they're, they're fresh faces, they're true freshmen. Uh, Bowman comes in at 6'6", that's pretty good, mm. but uh, Decker 6'3", not too bad either. So both have their, uh, their skills and advantages, I'm sure. And, uh, yeah, Iowa State certainly does not want to be in a position where they need one of those guys. They would uh, just like to be in a position where they're in a a luxurious spot and can give them some work. You know, Dave, from what we saw last night at Arrowhead and what we saw at Hard Rock, if you watched any of the U play last night, they didn't have many people in the stands. I think there was about 6,000 year, uh, uh, in, in attendance, uh, to watch Miami play. Listening to Jamie Pollard with Chris Williams, and if, if folks haven't heard that yet, I, I encourage you to do so. Um, Jamie Pollard opened up. I mean, laid it on the line, very transparent, as he's been throughout this entire process. I, I'd be shocked, Dave, I guess is where I'm going, and you're in Ames. I want to get the pulse if there's, you know, you sense anything different there. I, I would be shocked if there's not some fans, maybe not the 25,000 that they wanted, or maybe there is. Uh, when Oklahoma pays a visit, the next home game on October the 3rd, I'll be shocked uh, if we're, you know, uh, holding status quo, if you will, with no fans in the building. I believe that they're going to open it up a little bit. I would not be surprised if that happens. I wouldn't be surprised if they're still in a no-fan situation. A lot of that's going to depend on just what happens in the next week or two, even with uh, the testing and positivity rate, uh, not just among the student body, but in Story County overall, uh, because, again, you don't want to be in that position where you're being ranked as the number one hotspot in the country for right. COVID-19, and then uh, you're, you're opening up the doors to let any amount of fans uh, that would be considered significant into the building. But uh, I think there's a chance, and if you know, we can get the campus, uh, everybody on campus, and that means the students on board with the social distancing and masking and all that and get that positivity rate down. I, I think that door is absolutely open, and, and Jamie Pollard from the start, uh, or at least uh, from the time that it was decided not to have any fans for tomorrow's game, uh, has left that door open to, to perhaps have fa- fans if they can do it safely in future games this season. Well, if there's a rain delay, won't be sitting under <laughs> awnings like we were a year ago with Iowa in town for that matchup. What have you seen weather-wise and and the field preparation for it? We always know. I hope it's covered. Yeah, with the with the ag uh, agricultural angle there, and just what a good job that grounds crew does with the turf. But I don't know. Everything's different here. Anything on that front at all? 
Uh, let's give you a little preview, guys. I'm actually at Jack Trice Stadium right now. I'm sitting in the Cyclone Radio Network booth nice. and uh, looking down on the field. And they've done some work. They've painted the outlines of Iowa State and Cyclones in the respective uh, end zones. And you can see the Mid-American Energy logo, the Iowa State logo in midfield, the Big 12 logo. But they're very faint right now, and I don't uh, they haven't really filled those in. They're probably waiting for this, this rain to stop, although I don't know if that's going to happen today. So you might just kind of end up settling for the, the stencil outline version of the logos on the field tomorrow might be kind of a minimalist design because if it, if it continues to rain and I mean, it's just a really light sprinkle right now, but they're not out there, you know, with the paint uh, machines and all that getting it spruced up. So uh, we'll have to wait and see if, if they can get a chance. It looks like there will be a, an opportunity uh, you know, around 3 a.m. Uh, when it stops raining, but uh, we'll see. Uh, I, I'm looking at uh, an app right now, and it looks like the chance of rain tapers off actually after uh, 4 or 5 a.m. tomorrow, which is probably good news for the turf conditions themselves. And maybe they won't be quite as slippery and they won't get torn up quite as much, but I'm not sure if that's enough time to get the paint down the field and get it dried by kickoff. Uh, grass lots are going to – well <laughs> – <laughs> no, there's nobody tailgating. So don't be rubbing it I, in over I, I there, know, Ken Miller. I know it's such a great tailgate area. It really is. So, um, so, so Dave, what are you, what are you doing there now? What? Uh, why are you in the Cyclone Radio booth 24 hours ahead of the game? Is Bloom around yet? He likes to get there early. Yeah, uh, we'll be meeting up with Bloom tomorrow. But actually, I'll be helping out the guys uh, on the Cyclone Radio Network. I'll be kind of blending into the background. You won't hear my voice very much during the actual broadcast. But uh, I'll be helping out those guys. As you may have seen on Iowa State's social media or the website, they're doing kind of a, a second screen experience through social media mm-hmm. and streaming where Brent Bloom will be uh, kind of hosting uh, a little kind of talk show. He'll be interviewing guys, doing some analysis independent of, of the ESPN feed. Uh, and so typically he's up here. He'll still do what he usually does to host a pregame. He and, and Ben Bruns will do the first hour of pregame coverage together. But typically Brent is, is you know, in, in for the long haul for the games to run the console and make sure that John and Eric are sounding good and that everything gets on the air properly. Well, I'll kind of be taking over that as he'll be actually, I believe he'll be headquartered in Hilton Coliseum uh, for that alternate experience. So you got some options there if you're not, you know, enamored with the ESPN uh, announcers and you want a different experience, you might be able to check out or you should be able to check out through the Iowa State social media. You can find some links to the video feed that they're putting together as kind of an alternate analysis. Well, one will be in Atlanta. The other will be uh, uh, Golik will be in Bristol. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cole Kubik, I believe, is his name. He's uh, going to be there, but he'll be the only one that's there. So the uh, the TV booth will be wide open tomorrow. Be plenty of opportunity to space out. Dave, what's the key to the game tomorrow for you? How is Iowa State going to win? They'll win the football game if they don't make uh, too many mistakes. I mean, uh, against the team from uh, a Max you know, it's the same old song and dance, always about limiting turnovers and keeping penalties to a minimum. But they become that much more important. Uh, in a game like this in the sense that Louisiana is not a big drop-off athletically. They have a really athletic quarterback. They've had, they've had some success in recent seasons. They had a great season last year. And they're going to come in here thinking, well, this is their one chance to get a big attention-grabbing win uh, on a national stage. So they're going to be fired up to play for sure. Iowa State's got to match that intensity, and they got to make sure they don't open the door for an upset by giving the ball away or committing too many penalties. Matt Campbell's teams have had a tendency to start slow a little bit. Yep. You look at last year's Northern Iowa game as an example of that. And so Iowa State just needs to, I think, number one, make sure they don't make those mistakes, obviously, that, that can really uh, you know, provide that opening for an upset to happen. 
All right, so you'd normally be preparing and getting your uh, well, your rain gear ready for tonight as it would be Marshalltown in the matchup on the radio broadcast for the Little Cyclones of Ames. Ames, though, completely mm. virtual and with that, uh, not allowed to play any extracurriculars. What's the latest there? What are you hearing on the Ames front? Of course, here we get a lot of conversation on the Des Moines side of things, but what's happening with Ames High School and the Little Cyclones with them being off the board with extracurriculars? Yeah, you know, for those who don't know, the the rule is that coaches can't have any contact, formal contact with their team. So they can't arrange any even weightlifting or video sessions or anything like that. Really? Hold any kind of organized practice. Yeah, that that is my understanding. It's just no contact whatsoever. I mean, as teachers and as human beings, certainly they can interact and they will because, you know, all those a lot of those coaches are around the the, the school, although the, the kids aren't in the school, but they can still reach out as a you know a teacher student kind of relationship, or just say hi to each other. I guess so what high school teams need, and I'm sure this is happening in Des Moines too, is, is for their team captains, their seniors to step right. up and say, "All right, guys, let's let's meet out on the field and and throw the ball around or, or do some some things to to try to stay sharp." And uh, I'm sure coaches are getting together on their own too to to evaluate their teams, but we won't know anything for sure about. For Ames, a return to play until late next week. The school board is planning to get together with the administration, and they'll determine at that time if the uh, COVID rate in Story County has, uh, you know, dropped off enough to where they can at least go to 50% online and 50% in-person learning, and at that point get back uh, into the uh, extracurriculars. Recap with you on Monday, Dave Sproul, KASI, home of the Cyclones in Story County, KASI. That's where the Cyclones play. Dave Sproul joins us. Dave, have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy tomorrow. We will uh, speak with you on Monday. Thank you, Dave Sproul. My pleasure, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, you do the same. Dave Sproul, KASI. All right, uh, let's uh, catch up with Tom Caker for a few mm-hmm. minutes, shall we? Anything uh, with Sir Yacht? He met with him last week. Sir, is he was Caker in, met with Sir Well, he's Yacht? in Ohio. I, I, I can only assume. We'll we'll get to the bottom of it. What, what's that knucklehead posting this morning? Is, what Sir Yacht's got something? I don't know. I'm looking right now. Well, uh, we'll get Tom Kicker on the other side. Uh, Claxon's giveaway. We've actually got. Uh, we're going to include the game seven NBA game tonight. Don't oh, you yeah. think? Boston Toronto will put that in there. Here's the tiebreaker, just in case you're one of the four that get there. I'll give you an opportunity uh, to give you uh, put some thought into this. The four. NFC North teams combined total score. Okay, then they're all playing each other. They're all playing each other. So Detroit, Chicago, Green Bay, Minnesota, those four teams will score X amount of points. That'll be closest without going over. So give that some thought right now. I uh, will come back with Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. Miller and Condon till noon. It's 1120 on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And their families. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Just stumbled across a good read on the Big Ten, Detroit. Detroit Free Press, guy's name is Chris Solari, I believe. He wrote a piece on, it's a pretty extensive piece, and takes a look at the background of all 14 presidents mm-hmm. slants chancellors that ultimately will make the determination when the Big Ten plays. 
Um, you know, kind of how they're thinking, their background. It's a long piece. I'm not sure it's for everybody, but if you're a Big Ten fan and you want something to read, DetroitFreePress.com, Chris Solari. Tom Caker joins the program. Tom, Trent, and Ken, thank you for coming on. I doubt that you've seen that yet, uh, but it is a pretty uh, extensive look at ultimately who's going to make this decision when. It, it's not going to be Ryan Day. He'd like to be. I wish he was, <laughs> but uh, he's not ultimately going to have the final say. Uh, but this is a pretty good read under the back background of these uh, people that eventually will give thumbs up or thumbs down, Tom Cakert. Yeah, it's it's not going to be Ryan Day. It's not going to be Gene Smith. It's not going to be Gary Barda. not going to be Kirk Ferentz. Um, it's going to be those 14 people who give the marching orders uh, what's going to happen. I'm cautiously optimistic that we're going to see some things on both the football and basketball front in the next week that, um, that kind of get get uh, the proverbial, uh, you know, no pun intended, ball rolling in the right mm-hmm. direction for the Big Ten. I'm cautiously optimistic. As we get closer and closer to these rapid testing and, and everybody Big being... Big 12 just got it. Today, yes, the and the availability for everybody, though, to have it. How much is that going to change the discourse for the Big Ten? Is Do you believe that's the main sticking point Or is there a lot more out there? Is it a lot more on the political side of things that, unfortunately, seem to be a part of this? Yeah, I'm. I don't think, and, and I'm probably in the minority on this, but that's just based on talking to the Iowa team doctor the day after um, after this was decided, and he laid out it was just all medical stuff that that motivated the decision from the 14 presidents and, and chancellors, and so and if it was. Uh, we're trying to make a political statement uh, that would have leaked out uh, from the folks at Nebraska, folks at Iowa, or you could certainly say the folks at Ohio State, given mm-hmm. what Ryan Day has has come out and said, and just how vocal they've been. So, Tom, I think that's a great point. Is, is it be- What's that? I think that's a great point. It, somebody would have leaked if it would have been political. Somebody would have leaked it out. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, they would have put it out there. So, uh, is it become political now? Uh, it happens. Yes. I mean, you know, the president of the United States is weighing in on Twitter. Right. So it's just it, it's become a political football, unfortunately. Um, and whenever that happens, then it just gets messy. Um, but I think we're going to get something going in the right. I think it's they're they're doing things with testing. I think they can figure out the contact tracing, which I think. You know, in talking to the Iowa team doc was part of the equation. Uh, so, I think we're we're moving in the right direction. Where we're going to get, um, you know, I don't know when football is going to go, um, but I think the basketball stuff is going to come together. That you know, a kind of a start date of November 25th is going to be announced next week. Hmm, how about that, Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport dot com? Yeah, Tom. Back to your point. I mean, if it would have been somebody, one of these fourteen presidents, chancellors would have been, you know, a, a, a pro-Trump or an anti-Trump, and one of the other schools would have heard that that's playing a significant role. It would have leaked out. I'm, I'm convinced. I think you make a well, here, very solid here, here's, point. Here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. The president of Purdue University is Mitch Daniels. He's a former Republican governor of Indiana. Right. And he voted to not play. That's true. I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, you know, I know everything gets politicized today, mm-hmm. and God, I wish it wasn't. Uh, and I, I, I wish that the, you know politicians would go away. Uh, but, um, but everything is not political just because you want it to be political and you don't like the decision. 
Um, it doesn't have to be political. Um, now, has it gotten political? Heavens, yes, it has. It just has. Sure. You know, um, but that's what happened. I mean, Chuck Grassley's weighing in this week. Mm-hmm. You know, it's gotten political. Yeah, it has. Looks like uh, Mitch Daniels we referred to. Yes, he was governor of Iowa for a long time, eight years. And it looks like he was in Bush's you know, position in the Bush cabinet at some point. Anyways, uh, let, let's move on. Tom, Teddy Greenstein, uh, Nicole Auerbach, two reporters that, uh, and this is Scott Dockerman, um, you know, with, with The Athletic, etc. It seems as though October 24th is a date I'm hearing Maybe more. I don't think October 10th is in play as much as Sir Yacht wants it to no. be. Um, but I think October 24th <laughs> might be. Uh, you, you know Teddy Greenstein well. He's as he's um, yeah. um, tuned in uh, to, to the Big Ten as any media member, in my opinion. If he says something, he's yeah. hearing that from somebody that's legit. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think you know, given where Teddy's at and given the, the relationships he has with the Big Ten office, which is you know, in his backyard, right. um, he is, uh, the 24th seems to be gaining some steam, just talking to some people um, last night, uh, that the 10th is just, it's unsafe. Frankly, it's unsafe if they want to come back in the 10th and, co- you know, start practicing Monday and come back. It, it would be um, foolish and a health risk for those, those young men. Um, it, not to mention, Wisconsin's on leave for two weeks. Yeah, they, yep. you, right. you know, Wisconsin can't do anything for two weeks, uh, and they're going to come back and play. And what, you know, two weeks later, yeah, no. without any practice, without any spring practice, come on. I mean, what, you got to worry about you, what you saw. I think it was 2011. Was the um, and this got pointed out to me by a trainer that I'm good friends with. 2011, I think the NFL locked out players and. So guys weren't training the normal way they, they would normally train. And uh, there was a 15% spike in Achilles injuries that year with mm. NFL players. Mm. It's just things with hamstrings, quads, all those things are going to be a problem anyway if you're not uh, allowing them to train and to, to do things. I mean, you saw, you look at what Navy did the other day, that Monday night game, and we find out after the game they didn't hit in practice. <laughs> I mean, you're just, you're just putting people at risk. The lead-up, if it happens, and I continue to hear more and more, January is almost a non-starter. We saw Ohio State today, another one of their uh, prominent players has opted out and and just going to get ready uh, for the draft. And this is something that seems to be prevailing. Another thing I've heard from the Ohio State perspective is guys are getting frustrated. They just want an answer one way or the other, know what this is going to be. And for a lot of them, they're just... They're at the point now we're practicing and we don't know what we're practicing for. Frustrations, at least on, on the player side, seem to be building. What are you hearing on the Iowa side on that perspective? Yeah, that's that's why I think things are going to kind of come to the, to a head in the next week. And, and we're going to get some resolution one way or the other from the Big Ten. And then, you know, on the basketball side, we're going to get something that I think the 16th is when um, the, the NCAA basketball folks and, and Dan Gavitt are going to speak out on you know what what their plan is, or kind of what a tentative plan is. Um, but I I think this is all just coming to a head. Everybody's got a you know the law. You got the lawsuit. You got the thing that mm-hmm. with the, on the twelfth where the, the the Nebraska people have got to get answers uh, based on what a judge said. I just think all this is coming to a head, and they're gonna they're gonna figure something out and get players out back on the field, um, and hopefully. And if you get it by the 24th, you got a chance to play a 
you know, a decent amount of games and, and have a regular season like we've kind of become accustomed to and at least, I think, make the case for uh, – for inclusion in the playoffs. Well, I'm looking at it right now, Tom. If they start on the 24th of October, two weeks in October, four weeks in November, you play the first two, it's tough. If you're going to play the championship, you want to play an eight-game season, then you want to you want to determine who's going to mm-hmm. get... I think Because the SEC is playing their championship on the 19th. So if you go eight weeks back... You play eight games. Yeah, you play eight games. Two, four, six. Two, four, six, eight. They could play it on the 19th. It would work. Flexibility's yeah. gone now, though. There's flexibility's gone. I agree. So they couldn't miss any yeah, time. You've got, got no wiggle room. Right. You can play it. You can play the championship on the 19th and be included in the uh, in the playoff. I think we solved and it, the other guys. Thing, <laughs> yeah, and the other thing is if you're going to try and play in you know later December or January, uh, who knows if... You know the the Viking Stadium or, or right. Detroit or Indianapolis are going to be available. I mean, those teams may be playing yep. football still. We don't know, right? Um, and you're going to have to battle for for um, uh, availability because um, the NFL uh, plays on Saturdays look. in January. You're 100 mm-hmm. percent right. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, it, um, has anybody checked into seeing if? Uh, Lucas Oil Stadium is is uh, booked for the nineteenth. I don't know. Well, <laughs> now I'm on to something, Tom Kicker, and I think you are as well. Uh, give me one second there before we let you go. I'm going to look right now and see if indeed the bad boy is open on the nineteenth. It's on the nineteenth. It's open. They the uh, the the Colts uh, host the Texans on the twentieth. But yes, indeed, it'll work, Tom. Good. Well done, Tom Caker. Got to let you go, Tom. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week, okay. and we'll have some answers a week from today when we reconvene. Okay? We will. Thanks, guys. Good to appreciate talk to you. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. And uh, Tom might be making his way here to the Metro next Friday night. We were talking right before we came on the air. Who's he coming to see? Southeast Polk Host Valley. Oh. Southeast Polk has five kids with D1 offers. Valley has, I believe, four kids with D1 offers. Most ever in Iowa high school football game. He Jeez. said their their Midwest uh, national guy is is coming in for that game. He's making his way here. Blair Sanderson, who helps him at Hawkeye Report, going to be there too for that one. Probably the most D1 prospects in an Iowa football game ever will be next Friday night, Southeast Polk Valley. Are you doing that game? That is the plan, but sounds like I'm not alone trying to wiggle my way into that press box and inside the building for that, but I'm going to find a way, I think, one way or the other, as long as I get the thumbs up from everybody over there, have a good relationship with Polk, and, and hopefully I can be there, because that one should be a lot of fun. Well, you talked your way into Johnson's Day yes. tonight. You're going to see uh, Look at those relationships being repaired Absolutely. over there. Thank you to Toby and Sparks and everybody over at Johnston and the new athletic director, Big fan of Josh Doby. Absolutely, Trent. Well, he gets it. He uh, we're going to give you an opportunity right now. First four callers, 284-5966, 284-5966. Let's give four of our listeners a chance to win some barbecues. We'll give you four games. You give us four answers. If we need the tiebreaker, tiebreaker is going to be the total points of the four NFC North teams. They're all playing this weekend, so we'll do it that way. But the first four callers in now give you a chance to win some barbecue. Then Trent and I will embarrass ourselves even further uh, with our picks as we take you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 1.com.
Aaron Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Final segment, we've got our picks uh, still to get to, but right now we're going to give you your chance, Mike, Steve, Jake, and Tori, uh, to pick off $35 from Claxon's Barbecue, Claxon's in Altoona, 3131 8th Street Southwest. In business over 20 years, ClaxonBBQ.com, ClaxonBBQ.com. Claxon's gives us... Uh, this chance every single week, and we're grateful to them for that. Let's get Mike in here. Mike, how are you? Welcome to Miller and Condon. Good, thank you. Uh, let's uh, start with the college game. We're going to go north to Ames. Iowa State gives eleven and a half to Louisiana and the Raging Cajuns. Take Iowa State. Iowa State giving the points. Celtics and Raptors play Game Seven tonight. Who do you like? Raptors. Vikings are a two and a half point favorite at home over the Packers on Sunday. Vikings. Likewise, Detroit is a two and a half point favorite over the Bears on Sunday. Detroit. Total points. The four NFC North teams, Vikings, Green Bay, Detroit, and Chicago. How many points will they combine to score closest without going over? 63. Mike, have a good weekend. Same to Thank you. Uh, Steve is up next. Steve, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks a lot. Uh, Steve, Iowa State's an 11.5-point favorite over the Raging Cajuns. Iowa State. Boston-Toronto, Game 7 in the NBA. Got to have the Raptors. Raptors yes, for you? Indeed. Uh, Vikings, a 2.5-point favorite over Green Bay? Green Bay. Detroit, 2.5 over the Bears? Detroit. Closest without going over, the four NFC North teams will score how many points this Sunday? I'm going to go with 78. Steve, have a good weekend. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Uh, Jake is next. Hey, Jake. Hey, guys. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. Uh, Iowa State gives 11.5 to the Raging Cajuns. I think I asked you. Okay. Boston or Toronto in Game 7? I hate to say it, but I think Boston's going to squeak this one out. I hate to say it, I believe you're right. Uh, Vikes, two and a half over Green Bay. Vikings. Detroit, two and a half over the Bears. Detroit. NFC North teams will score how many points this weekend combined? Closes without going over. 80. 80 on the button? Yep. Thanks, Jake. Have a great weekend. You too. And uh, Tory brings Claxons to a close for another week. Hi, Tory. Hey, how's it going? Good, thank you. Iowa State, 11.5-point favorite over the Raging Cajuns. Uh, Raging Cajuns. Celtics or Raptors? Celtics. Vikings, 2.5 over the Packers? Packers. Detroit, 2.5 over the Lions? Um, Bears. Okay, and uh, NFC North, combined points, closest without going over? We'll go 66. The right answer was one, uh, but 66 <laughs> isn't bad. Tori, thanks for listening. Appreciate it, and good luck with Claxons. Thank you. Good to talk to you. I think we've had one person ever that's done the prices right, just go with one. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody else hope for the over if it comes down to the tiebreaker. Right. Tori uh, changed things up there. We were looking at a clean sweep with Iowa State. Were we? He went with the Raging Cajuns. We were looking at a clean sweep with the Lions. He went with the Bears. Are you going to include Iowa State in your picks? I am not, Nor though am I. I will be on the Raging Cajuns. My favorite bet, though, is the under in that game. What's the total? 57 is the number there. I think you're going to see more alliance in the run game. I think this is going to be one where some mm-hmm. clocks eaten. Plus, yeah. look at the field conditions. I'm with you on the run game, Trent. The clock is going to be running. Uh, Iowa State's defense is pretty salty. We might be on to something. And there. I think ULL is going to be decent on that side of the ball. 
undersized, but okay on that side of the ball. Like the under is my favorite play, but we don't do totals here, Ken Miller. No, what we do don't. we do? Well, we uh, try and give five opinions. Now, this week's different. Normally, we do two college, two pro, and a best bet. But we're just going to open it up. Do These first two want. weeks are a little rough to get to yeah, two and two. college slate. Yeesh. All right, Trent, uh, do I go first? Oh, the tee box is yours, Mr. Champion. Why would that be? Oh, you just said it, so thank <laughs> you. Uh, I'm going to take five NFL games, Trent, and I like all five of them, actually. Uh, let's just start with the New York Jets. They host the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. The Jets are a mess. The Bills, I think, are going to win the division. I'm going to lay the six-and-a-half. Take Buffalo, pick number one, over AFC East opponent, the New York Jets. This is the one that's given me a little bit of pause because there are two significant injuries on the Colts' offensive line. Phillip Rivers wasn't good last year. New team, Colts, a lot of people picking them to win the division. Jacksonville, a lot of people picking them to pick first in April. I believe they will. I'll take the Colts. Lady 8, Phillip Rivers, first game, new team. I think he makes a statement. I'll take the Colts. Speaking of making a statement... Joey Burrow certainly did that last year. He's going to again tomorrow, Sunday. Give me the Bengals <laughs> over the Chargers. And I get three. Bengals plus three. Monday night, if you're a Bronco or a Tennessee fan, it sucks that you have to wait till 9-15 to see your squad. I don't know how much I'm going to watch. I think Tennessee's going to pound them. I do. Uh, Corton Sutton got injured in practice yesterday. Von Miller is out. Drew Locke has not had a good August. Tennessee is a good football team. Tennessee laid the two and a half over Denver. My best bet of the week is the team I'm picking to go to the Super Bowl. That's the Dallas Cowboys. They are going to open up SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles where they'll take on the Rams. Cowboys are a three-point favorite. I don't think the Rams or the Chargers are going to do Saint or do Los Angeles any favors this season. I, yeah, I think the Cowboys go in, and I think they beat them and beat them quite handily. Cowboys minus three, my best bet. Tennessee over the Broncos, Cincy over the Chargers, Colts over Jacks, and Bills get off on the right foot by hammering the Jets. All right, five in the books for the champion of 2020, Ken Miller. We'll be flipping the calendar to 2021. It will be a new season, a new champion will be crowned. And we're going to start here in week one. We go to the college game first. I mentioned as we were talking to Bama Bob earlier in the program, I am on this Florida State-Georgia Tech game in Tallahassee. New coaching staff for Novell. Florida State was so undisciplined a year ago. We figured that would be better. But I don't like new head coaches this season with all the unknowns that we had. Ken said, Georgia Tech improved. You looked at them in September last year, they were off. By November, they were still pretty bad, just not as awful. 12 and a half, it's too many. Low scoring, pretty ugly game here. Take the rambling wreck. Grab that 12 and a half in pick number one. We're going to finish it up Saturday night, late night, 9 o'clock kickoff in Lawrence, as the Jayhawks welcome in the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. Beautiful color scheme. They beat Kansas a year ago. Not going to be the case this year. Les Miles has those small incremental steps that they're making as a program. You'll see it on the field late Saturday night. Lay the six and a half with the Jayhawks and pick number two to the NFL. Your marquee game. Buccaneers, Saints, late afternoon window. Tampa, Tom, Tom, I'm not ready for that yet. Three and a half, maybe that extra hook will 
Get some people nervous, don't be. New Orleans is stacked. That defense was incredible a year ago, the improvements that they made, and it happens in a big-time way. Lay the three and a half and grab the Saints late afternoon on Sunday. Ken, I'm jumping with you and Bills. That Jets team, opt-outs, injuries, they're going to be awful. Some people getting excited about what they did late last year in that 6-2 and two run at the end of the season. Look at who the Jets beat. It was teams either not trying or teams that were brutal. Don't buy into Darnell. Grab the Bills and lay the 6.5. And, and my bet of the week, I'm also going late afternoon for this one. 49ers defending NFC champions hosting the Arizona Cardinals. I've seen a couple of 7.5s pop, but they haven't been plentiful. You can still find a touchdown, though. Grab that touchdown with the Cardinals. This team played incredibly well last year against San Francisco. The 49ers defense was great against pocket quarterbacks. Not so much about against guys that can move around. We know Kyler can move around. Grab the Cardinals plus the seven, my bet, of the week. Cardinals plus seven. Saints minus three and a half. Bills minus six and a half. The Jayhawks minus six and a half. And Georgia Tech plus 12 in the hook, my bets of the week. All right, there you have it. We shall do this every Friday right up and through the Super Bowl. And at the end, we will crown a champion, either Condon or myself. Uh, have a little fun at the end of the program. Uh, thank you again to Claxons for allowing us the opportunity to give the barbecue away on a weekly basis. We do it each and every Friday. Of course, today, Trent, the anniversary of 9-11, the 19th yeah. anniversary of 9-11. Um, just a day that uh, if you were alive, and I'm guessing the most people listening were, you'll never forget where you were when you heard about it or the uh, immediate after. Uh, it was unbelievable. You were on the air at the time was, on the jack? Yeah, I wish I knew who called. I wish I knew the caller that alerted us to that that a plane just hit the building right before the 8 o'clock news break. Mm-hmm. Bob Dyer, Rick Silvestrini, and I, and somebody called us in and, and told us. I wish I knew who it was. Um, yeah, that was that was unbelievable. But then when I got to New York in November, there's a church that's still standing, St. Paul's Chapel. It was actually built. I looked it up in the 1760s, and my the the entire area around Ground Zero, anywhere you could put a picture of a person, like a face, mm-hmm. that person's picture. Family members had come to Ground Zero, and had taped it. The church was full trees, fences. Uh, cement posts, stop sign, anywhere you could put, if you've seen this person, please call this number. Yeah. You know, thinking, hoping against hope that they were in a hospital somewhere and they didn't, for whatever reason, just hope that, um, and they've been up for a while. I mean, they were put up, uh, you know, when I was there in November, sadly, real, reality had set in that those folks yeah. aren't coming home. But I'll never forget the pictures of one person, one sad, uh, victim after another around uh, Ground Zero as much as uh, it was about two months afterwards. Still haven't been out there. I haven't been to New York before outside of a layover a couple of times flying. And everybody that has been, though, to the memorial just says incredible things about it. Mm-hmm. Certainly something on the bucket list. I had just transferred to you and I and uh, was just starting classes. I didn't have a, ten, a class until 10 that morning. Usually I wake up, you know, 9.35 and <laughs> roll out of bed and go right into Put class. cap on and away you but, go. But for whatever reason, I woke up really early, like 7.30 that morning. So I just had Sports Center on and then I see the little news feed on the bottom. Yeah. Flipped to ABC News. So I got there and, and saw the second one hit. It was uh, a different time. There are two dorms that you and I called the Towers. Mm. Girl in my humanities class asked, "Do you think they're going to hit our towers?" Mm. No, not so much. Yeah, we just didn't. We just it was, didn't know. I didn't know. 
I love the fact that they read the names of the victims every single mm-hmm. September the 11th. All right, Murph and Andy uh, coming up today at uh, 2. Of course, the Fanatics at 4. Emery and Sean tomorrow morning. Cyclone sound off on WHO underway tomorrow at 4. Have a wonderful weekend. 1460 KXNO 106.3.